Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he's closer than a brother? Anybody ever been there where you didn't feel like anybody cared about what you're going through and Jesus stepped in? Aren't you glad he's not just a a religious tradition? He's not just a building you go to, but he's a living Savior. Hallelujah. The Bible says that he's not very far from any one of us. He's nearby. And I believe that that expression of how much God cares should be felt through the body of Christ. It shouldn't just be some intangible spirit of God, though I believe in the spirit of God. But I believe that the church family should be an extension of that. That we should be sensitive to when people among us are hurting and in need of strength, in need of comfort, in need of encouragement. Amen? Amen. So just one more time, would you just turn to somebody nearby and tell them I'm praying for you. I mean it. I'm praying for you. Not just words. I mean it. And if you you really mean that, if everybody that says that to somebody will really do it, God's going to help us through some things. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. Thank you to the praise team. Amen. Amen. Brother Andre just delivered the last, uh, just every Sunday, I never cease to be amazed by the young ministers that God is raising up in this church. Last week, Brother Alberti, and then today, Brother Mitchell just did such a fabulous job of talking to us, amen, for the book of Jeremiah, amen, about uh, people that are not moved by the word of God. And I just want to tell you, that's not, you don't want to be that person. Amen, because anybody ever got a Smeco bill? Sorry, Brother Plager. Is Brother Plager here today? No, don't tell him. All right, I'm picking on Anybody got a Smeco bill? Does it work if you just throw that in the trash and ignore it? No. A couple weeks, the lights are going to start flickering. Somebody's going to knock on the door. And if you ignore that knock on the door, you're going to start eating by candlelight. It doesn't work to ignore it. And I think sometimes we have more respect for Smeco than we do God. Because we think if I just ignore the word of God, amen, if I just ignore it, that that wasn't really for me, then it will go, it, it doesn't work that way. God shares things with us for our admonition so that we can move with reverence in the word of God and say, you know, there's some things I need to fix. There's some things I need to get right with God because just like Smeco, God's word is going to come true. It's forever settled in heaven. You, 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 you can ignore the knock on the door. But it's a whole lot better if you just face it and deal with it and let God make the chain. Therefore, our good. Amen? Amen. I say that because we have a great man of God here today. My friend, uh, Pastor Greg Hurley, Pastor Solid Rock Church in, uh, it's not Beckley. Is it Oak Hill? Oak Hill, West Virginia. A beautiful church. Just, uh, he's a builder as well, and they built a, just a beautiful edifice 
there in a great church, not just the building, but the people there as well. He's also the superintendent of the West Virginia District. Great man, great wisdom, and a great minister, also a great singer. I think he's going to sing this morning and minister. But don't ignore the word today. Again, before he even comes, I want you to say with me right now, I receive the word. Okay, you can't wait until the word goes and then decide if you receive it. You got to say it before it ever comes. I receive the word. Amen. Amen. Would you help me right now? Let's welcome Brother Hurley. We're glad to have Grant with us, his son. Amen. We love this family. Amen. We want him to preach to us the word. God bless you. Paul, give your great pastor a hand clap. And what a wonderful family. Man, you can be seated just a moment. I'll tell you, I love what I feel in the house of God. And uh, I'll just tell you, there's nothing like God's presence. It feels great in the house of God today, don't it? Amen. I'm thankful today for what I feel in this arena. Man, this atmosphere. And, you know, I've been preaching a long time now, since the early 90s, and been pastoring for probably about 14 years. My dad was a pastor for 40 years, so I've got a little bit of church in my blood. Uh, but there's just something about the way when you know you're in the flow. And uh, from the very first song, confirmation to what I feel like God has laid on my heart to preach today. And I feel like somebody came here needing a word in your dark trial. But God's here, and he's with you today. Does anybody believe that? I believe that. Now, I've never, I've never sang this song before, and I definitely didn't practice it with the sister here. So we're just going to see how it turns out, but I woke up with it on my mind. So I'm just going to sing it. Is that all right? Man, I am... I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. When I walk through deep waters, I know that you will be with me. And when I'm standing in the fire, I will not be overcome through the valley of the shadow. I will not fear. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never. I see your light is breaking through the dark of night will not overtake me because I am pressing into you I like this oh cause 
Lord, you fight my every battle. And I You're my defender. You're my refuge in the storm. And through these trials, you've always been faithful. You bring healing to my soul. I am not alone. I am not alone. You On a Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Come on, God is with us today. You're my strength. You're my defender. You're my refuge in the storm. Oh, how many can say that today? And through life's trials, you've always been faithful. You bring healing to Hallelujah. 
Aren't you thankful for a God that will go with us? Man, the Bible says even to the end of the earth. Man, I just feel the Holy Ghost in the house today. I got to say it's good to see my cousin, my first cousin. So if you see me hugging Jessica, it's not because I'm some weird guy. I'm just hugging my first cousin, okay? And I love I love Jessica and her husband, Josh, and brother and sister Staten and their family. You know, you can always tell a man and a woman, uh, you can always tell their walk with God when you look at their children. And uh, what wonderful daughters brother and sister Staten have, and we love them. And they're like family. In fact, last Sunday, Brooke, Brooke was, at our, was at our place. And uh, we just love this family. And my wife wanted to be here so bad. Please pray for my wife's mother. She is battling stage 3 breast cancer. And we know God's able to help uh, in, this, in this need. Amen. I know the Lord is able, and I understand there are folks here as well that need this kind of touch. Amen. Praise God. If you've got your Bibles, man, didn't Brother Mitchell do an awesome job? If you were here, that was great. Where's he at? Anywhere. There he is, man. Great job. You, you make me, you make me want to tell somebody to just hold my mule. Whew, man, I like that. Great word right there. Man, we appreciated that word from God. And I think this kind of ties right into it. Praise God what he was saying. Because I want to I wanna obey the word of God, don't you? I don't want to throw the word of God away, but I want to take every word, man, that God has given, and I want to apply that to my life and my situation. I can tell you it is crazy times, but God's word never changes. And I'm thankful for the word of God. I'm going to go to the Old Testament, book of Daniel today, just two scriptures, very familiar passage here and I'm sure if you've been in church any length of time at all you're going to recognize these verses so we'll just read two verses and then you can be seated Daniel 3 and 24 the Bible says then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and he rose up in haste and he spake and he said unto his counselors did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire he asked the question did we not cast three in they answered him, and they said, O king, true. Then he answered them in verse 25, and he said, Lo, I see four men loose, and they're walking in the midst of the fire. They have no hurt, and the form of that fourth is like the Son of God. He said, did we not cast in three? True king, we cast in three. That's what we put in there. He said, I see four. Now, if you'll notice in the scripture, nobody else says they saw four. The king saw four. But I want to preach maybe today something from an angle we've never looked at from this passage. And I simply want to preach you to understand my title here shortly. Even when I can't see him. Even when I can't see him, I'm glad I know him. Let's set our Bibles down, and I wonder if we can lift our hands and ask that God would help us here today. Lord, we thank you for your word. 
God, thank you for your presence that we so feel in this house. I pray now, God, that you would anoint my lips to speak it, anoint the ears that are here to receive it. God, whoever walked into this room today needing a touch from you, that, God, they can leave here with the understanding that we're not in this by ourselves. And, God, we're not fighting this battle alone. But, God, you're with us even in our darkest, deepest trial, our hottest furnace. We are glad for your hand that we know is with us. And somebody shout in Jesus' name. Can you clap your hands one more time to the glory of God? Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell them, even when I can't see him. God bless you. You can be seated today. Some of the greatest stories of deliverance that are recorded in the Word of God, in my opinion, are stories that have become very familiar to us. These are many of what I would call identifiable passages that many of us have heard most of our lives. These stories encourage us in our walk with God. Not only do they encourage us in our walk with God, they also enrich our faith in the Lord. Familiar stories such as David and Goliath where the Bible talks about a ruddy lad that faced a giant that stood over nine feet tall and with five smooth stones. He walks into that valley and he confronts that giant that everybody else was so intimidated by and he walks down and looks at him and he says, You come to me with a sword and a shield and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And we know the rest of that story. The Bible says God gave him, amen, accuracy and he swung that swing, sling and it smote that rock, smote that giant between the eyes and he failed and he become a victor that day. That is a powerful scripture. David and Goliath. Or perhaps we could... Uh, think about Noah and the ark and how that Noah for 120 years preached that there's a flood coming and they looked at him as if he was a crazy man but yet he built the ark with perseverance and the Bible tells us that the rain did fall and the earth opened up from beneath and there was a great flood. And that story will let us know that we've got to keep on walking and talking and believing the word of God. Or what about Daniel in the lion's den? The Bible talks about Daniel being thrown into that den of hungry lions and what should have devoured him. The Bible tells us God caused a great sleep to come upon him and he protected him in the midst of that raging lion's den and God had his hand up. How many is glad for a God today that will go with us in the harshest of trials? <clears throat> Or we could, we could talk about Israel and how that, that nation of Israel was freed from the bondages of slavery in Egypt and how they came to that shore of the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army were pursuing after them and they were what seemed to be trapped between Pharaoh and the Red Sea and, and there was fear that came upon them and they began to question and doubt uh, their, their, how God had brought them out of Egypt. But the Bible says that Moses and he put that rod out over the sea. Oh, it's an old story and it's very familiar to us, but the Bible says God parted those waters. He created a dry passageway for Israel to cross over. Just when it looked like it was impossible, God made a way where there was no way. 
And that story didn't stop there. It didn't stop there at all. In fact, in Exodus 15, they get to the other side and Pharaoh and his army pursued after them and God caused the same waters that became their deliverance to become the destruction of Pharaoh and his army. Now, I'm not preaching about this today, but I can tell you that's a type of water baptism. And when you go down in water and come out on the other side, God is able to destroy the things in your life that have been pursuing you and the things that have been after you. These are identifiable passages. You don't have to be in church a real long time to understand and automatically begin to say, well, I've heard that somewhere along the line, even if you've been in church or not in church. Well, another one of these easily identifiable passages is the one in our text here this morning of three Hebrew boys, three Hebrew children. They were three dedicated young men who were thrown into a furnace of fire. And each of these stories are not only implanted in our memories, but they are impactful on our faith. We've we've heard them perhaps a hundred times. And the greatest truths in them are self-evidence to each and every one of us. We've learned from these common passages that we do indeed serve a God who will take care of and deliver his people. I wonder if I have any witnesses here today that will say God will protect and God will deliver his people. Even when the way looks rough and the outcome looks grim, we've seen time and time again that our God can make a way even when there seems to be no way. Come on, can I get a witness here today of the fact that will say God can make a way where there is no way. I wonder if I got any family here or brothers and sisters here. I wonder if there's any fathers and mothers here that will say in a time of crisis in my life when my back was against the wall, God stepped in and made a way where there was no way. Somebody shout, I'm a witness. I'm a witness that God can, in fact, make a way when there seems to be no way. We've also learned through these stories that if you'll stand fast in your faith, if you refuse to waver in your walk with God, if you will put your trust fully in God and refuse to back down from His promises, He is a God that will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. When you run out of options, if you'll just stand fast on your faith. I got anybody here standing fast on your faith. Going to keep believing God. I know what the doctor says, but I'm going to keep believing God. I I know what the lawyer says, but I'm going to keep believing God. I I know what the judge said, but I'm going to keep believing God. I I know what my bank account shows, but I'm still going to keep trusting God. We got to stay determined. Now, as a preacher, and I'm going to try to hurry here, but as a preacher and as a pastor, I, 
I don't often revisit these stories to be truthful because mainly they're, they're very familiar to all of us. <laughs> and, and you know, we've heard them forever. However, while I was reading this particular passage in the book of Daniel, I saw something here from a different perspective that I'd have to say I'd never seen before. And you see, that's the way the Word of God works. Because we can read one passage and think, well, we've pulled every nugget out of there we can and then we'll go back and read it again and something else will jump out at you. How many loves the Word of God that Brother Mitchell talked about today? You can read the same story over and over and you can see things in a new light or from a different perspective and get, get a new revelation on a passage that will kind of jump out at you that you never saw before. So if you'll just bear with me just, just a moment, I'm going to step back into Sunday school class, okay? And we had these children. Didn't these children do great when they came up here and sang that little action song? <laughs> so let's go back to Sunday school class for just a minute. Let's explore this passage, this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo. Now, most of us would say that this story starts when Nebuchadnezzar decides to build a towering image of gold and demand that everybody worship it. However, that's actually not where the story starts. The story really started back in the second chapter of the book of Daniel, somewhere around 10 years before these three were forced to face a choice to bow or burn. The Bible tells us that the king of Babylon had a dream. And it was a dream that none of his wise men could interpret for him. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar was so upset that he, uh, he said, look, he said, if they can't interpret the dream or tell me of the dream, then he gave the order to kill all the wise men in the whole kingdom. The problem was that Daniel had a reputation of being wise. So not only did they seek out the common wise men but they also sought out Daniel and, and they wanted to put him to death he said look you go tell the king that I've requested just a little bit of time to pray about this how many knows that prayer changes things I wonder if I got any apostolics that still believe that prayer changes things I, I found out in my life that when I don't know where to turn there's something powerful about prayer that changes circumstances. And so he said, you go back and ask him, can I pray about this so I might interpret that dream? And indeed God began to reveal things to Daniel because I do believe the power of prayer will begin to reveal things to us. And so he revealed to Daniel, God did through prayer, the dream and also the interpretation to Daniel. And in his dream, Nebuchadnezzar had seen a figure of a man. It was a giant statue, as it were, but it was composed of different precious metals. In fact, if you would read the book of Daniel chapter 2, the figure's head was made of gold, the breast and the arms were made of silver, the middle portion was made of bronze, and the legs and feet and toes were made of iron. And Daniel told that king that the image represented different kingdoms that would rise and fall. He said, King Nebuchadnezzar, that, that gold kingdom, the head of that is Babylon. That's the kingdom that you are the king over. And it represents the height of glory and achievement. He said, but 
Then the silver will represent a less glorious but stronger kingdom which history, history reveals to us as the Medes and the Persians. And then the kingdom would yield, the Medes and Persians would yield to still a less glorious but even stronger kingdom. And that was the kingdom of bronze, which history reveals as the Greeks. And the kingdom of the Greeks, however, would give way to the strongest yet most corrupt of them all. And that was the kingdom of iron, which would be made manifest in the Roman Empire. So at the end of the dream, this massive statue was destroyed by rock in that dream which uh, through through prophecy this was just being symbolic to Jesus Christ it represented Jesus Christ that rock that was crushed uh, that crushed the statue then uh, was Jesus Christ and it grew until it covered the whole earth representing the kingdom of God is anybody glad to be in the kingdom of God today because I'm going to tell you something Kingdoms rise and fall, but the kingdom of God is always going to stand. Somebody here ought to be glad that God led you to the church. You ought to be thankful for a pastor that preaches truth. You ought to thank God for the word of God that comes forth Sunday after Sunday that creates something in you, amen, and you become the kingdom of God. I'm glad for the church. So here's the thing. Nebuchadnezzar was probably a little bit flattered <laughs> to be that kingdom of gold that sat at the pinnacle of all the kingdoms of the earth. Glory and riches. But it was somewhat discomforting to him to be told that his kingdom would one day fall and all these others would rise into its place. As a matter of fact, over time, his wicked heart would rebel against the word of God, just like Brother Mitchell talked about today. And he became more and more determined that his kingdom would never fall. He was thoroughly convinced that Babylon would never yield to another kingdom. And this is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story begins. The king, he decided to defy the word of God spoken to him by Daniel. In disbelief and in open defiance, he built his own image. And this image was an image that was entirely constructed by gold. It must have been a sight to see because most models place this tower, Nebuchadnezzar's statue, to stand somewhere around nine stories tall. Not, I didn't say nine feet. Nine stories in height. It towered over everything around it, Brother Staten. It was an enormous... It was an enormous tower, and it was very costly. And when it was finished, he pretty much just shook his fist at God and demanded that everyone under his influence, under the influence of that Babylonian empire, to come and fall and worship at that statue. The Bible tells us that they came from every tongue, tribe, and, and, and race to that plain of Dura. And the Bible says when the music played, that they were told to bow and they unanimously bent their knees in allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar in defiance of God. When the music played, however, when everybody that was commanded to bow and worship, we read that's exactly what happened with the exception of three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's the thing. That crowd was so massive 
It was not initially apparent to the king that these three Hebrew boys weren't bowing with everybody else. But scripture says that there were some certain Chaldean astrologers who went out of their way to report to that king that there were three Hebrew boys that refused to bow. So the Bible says that the king in his anger, he had them brought to him and he said, I want to see it for myself. Did I, did I not give a command that when the music plays that everyone bows and it's told to me that you did not bow. So I'm going to give you another opportunity. And he said, when the music plays, you've got to bend your knee or you're going to burn in this fiery furnace. Well, we know the story. You know, let me just stop here and tell you, it's entirely different. It's a different thing to stand when nobody's watching and then when you're standing in the eyes of the king and you know that, that, that this is do or die right here. And, you know, it would have been very easy for them to just go ahead and succumb to his command. I mean, after all, it was just in their mind. They knew it was just an old dumb statue that was fabricated by an arrogant king. Uh, but who, who could ever maybe even remember if they go ahead and bow, who would ever remember that anyway? In fact, who would even care? A after all, they could just simply say what a lot of people say in 2022. Uh, you know, I may bow down on the outside, but I'm really standing up on the inside. But you see, these three Hebrew boys, they had something settled in their heart. It was more than just mere words. It was a commandment of old. It was values that were taught to them by their mamas and fathers. And, and when they were just little children here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Thou shalt have no other gods before. You shall not bend your knee to any other God. Amen. And so when they stood here this day, they were determined to hold fast to their convictions and simply refused to back down from the convictions that were, let me tell somebody today, if there's ever been an hour that God's people need to stand firm in their convictions and stand firm in what they believe, it is right now. I don't know about you, but I made up my mind. I'm not going to bend my knee to the things of this world. I'm not going to bow to the things of this world, but I'm going to stand for my convictions. I'm going to stand on the Word of God. I'm going to stand, and I'm going to keep on believing. Oh, somebody clap your hands to the Lord. I'm getting somewhere. Just hang with me. The identity of these boys was we only worship one God. The identity of these boys was we know there's no other God beside him. And we will not bend our knee to any graven image. And we're not going to give our worship or our allegiance to any other thing. I wonder what would happen to the church of 2022 if we'd make up our mind like these boys and say we're not going to bow to anything. We're going to stand firm on the word of God. It's our identity. We still believe there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, one Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. We still believe.
believe that you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to be baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And we believe that you shall receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I know what the world says. I understand what the world is decreeing. But today, hear, O Israel, our God is still one Lord. So here they are, three Hebrew boys defying the king. Now I know we know the story, but let's just look at it in Scripture. Daniel 3, verse 13. Bible says, then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, is this not true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the the horn and the flute, the harp and the lyre and the psaltery and the symphony with all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, he said, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then he asked this question, and who is the God whom will deliver you from my hands? Boy, but I like the way these boys answered. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered verse 16 and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. This is a little bit different version, but if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And they didn't stop there. They followed it up with this. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. I like this next one. Here's here's the attitude we need to get as a church. But if not, I wish somebody just shout out, but if not. Come on, your situation, you know what you're dealing with, and you know God's able to deliver you, but I wish you'd just shout out, but if not. He said, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. They said, my God is able. He's able to deliver us from the fire, but if not. Don't get real arrogant, O king, because but if not, we're still not going to bow to you, and we're still not going to bend our knees to your God. Now, you got to understand, this outrage, Nebuchadnezzar. Some of you need to send the devil home angry today. Because you've let him push you around long enough. 
I, I don't know very many people in this room, uh, but I can tell you this. I, I know people, and I know situations, and I know circumstances. And my church that I pastor is about the same size. And I know uh, out of about 250 people, there's a lot of issues and a lot of problems and a lot of circumstances. And sometimes we let the devil just chew us up and spit us out. But you need to leave here on a Sunday morning and say, but if not, we're still not going to bow, and we're still not going to bend our knee to you. He's able, but if he sees fit not to, we're still not going to submit to you. We're still not going to bow to you. And so the Bible says that the king said, turn the furnace up. You heard the story. Turn the furnace up seven times hotter. And then he commanded some of the strongest men in the kingdom to come and get them. We know we've, we've heard it from a kid. You know, they, they take the men and they, the three Hebrew boys and the men that, that threw them in. The fire was so hot that it even slayed them. But I like the rest of this story. Then the miraculous happens. How many believes in miracles today? I still believe God can work miracles. Come on, God can make a way where there seems to be no way. He can open doors that look like they're bolted shut. Come on, he can move mountains that are standing in your way today. Can I get a believer? I still believe in the miracle-working power of Jesus Christ. He's still a miracle worker. Somebody ought to shout a miracle worker. And that's what some of you need today. You need a miracle, and he's a miracle worker. Somebody ought to lift your hands and speak a miracle over your family. You ought to speak a miracle over your finances. You ought to speak a miracle over your health. You ought to speak a miracle over this city. You ought to speak a miracle, amen, over your pastor. You ought to speak a miracle. And so the Bible says what we read next is, that the king got up from where he was sitting so that he could see a little bit better. And here's what he expected to see. He expected to see the demise of those defiant boys. He expected to see those three Hebrew boys that would not bend their knee. He expected to see them perished in the midst of that fire. But the king was astonished. Because what he saw instead was when he peered into the flames, he, he said, did we not cast three? But, oh, I see four. There's four men in this fire. And not only are they alive, but they are loose. And they are walking around. They're free from the bonds that we bound them with. They are loose in the flames and they are not consumed in the fire. Amen. Now here's the thing that I never saw in this story that I want to bring to your attention here today. In our text, his kings, the king asked his advisors, he said, did we not throw three men in? And they just simply affirmed the fact that there were only three. They answered and said unto him, true, O king. There's only three. Somebody shout only three. only three. 
That's all, we, that's all you threw in. That's it. You, you, you're right. He said, but lo, I see four men. And they are loose and they're walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the fourth is like the Son of God. And you see, so often we, we tell this story from the king's perspective because that's the way that it's always been presented to us in Scripture. But I want to just take a moment here this afternoon and I want to speak from the perspective of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here they are. They're being obedient to the word of God. They're not backing down from their faith. They're refusing to bow. They are refusing to bend. They believe fervently in the delivering power of God. They've already told the king, God can deliver us from the fiery furnace, but if he does not, he can and he will deliver us from you. In other words, if he doesn't spare us from the fire, our deaths in the fire will be a form of escape from you. That's kind of what I read. You know, either way, either way, live or die, we're going to win. Kind of reminds me of the story of the little lady that was on an airplane going to Anchorage, Alaska. She was going to visit her daughter and said they heard the, the, somebody come across the loudspeaker and said, this plane, there's a possibility we're going to crash. Buckle your seatbelts. And she just sat there as calm as she could sit. And folks around her were all terrified. And, and, and they said, well, why aren't you... Why aren't, you, uh, why aren't you terrified? She said, well, I'm a child of God. And I, she said, I'm on my way to Anchorage to see my daughter. And she said, also, I have a daughter in heaven. So she said, live or die, I'm a winner. And I can tell you today, that's the attitude I believe these Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Live or die, we're still going to win. Live or die, we're going to still be liberated from you. Live or die. Come on, somebody. You need to make your mind up. Live or die. I'm still going to serve God. Live or die. Live or deliverance. I am going. So when their faith is put to the test, they're cast into the fire. And in that moment, I believe they fully expected to die. Instead, now they're alive. The bonds that held them are gone, but that's... That's the only thing the fire's done to them. In fact, there's not even a smell of smoke now on their clothes. And in amazement, they're walking around in the fire but not being burnt. Now, this may seem, this may seem very simplistic to you today. And I know your pastor is one of the greatest preachers that I've ever heard. And I, I don't just say that. He is. And this may be kind of simple today. But I'm going to tell you, I think it's pretty powerful. Because not one time does the Bible say that the three Hebrew children saw the fourth man in the fire. It only says the king saw the fourth man. The miracle for the three Hebrew children is that God did honor their faith and he did deliver them, but not in the way that he thought they thought he would. Can, can I tell you that your answer is not always going to come in the way that you thought your answer would come? Oh, oh, but God, I thought this would, ha I thought you would work. I thought this, no, sometimes God works in ways that are mysterious that you don't understand. Come on, Joseph, sometimes you got to go through a pit. Sometimes you got to go through a prison. Sometimes you got to be forsaken. Sometimes you got to be lied upon. Sometimes your brothers have got to betray you. But you got to understand that God knows the way you take. 
Oh, is there anybody here on a Sunday afternoon that still believes there's a purpose in the process and God knows where he's taking you? It may not be the conventional route that you were expecting. It may not be the path that you desire, but God knows what he's doing. You know, go rewind just a second. When they stood before the king, when they stood before the king and they talked about the deliverance of God, I believe, I believe that these three Hebrew boys, I believe they could only see two possible outcomes. I believe that one of them was where that somehow they avoided the fire altogether. God delivered them. And I believe the other outcome in their mind would be the fire taking their lives. But even then, their faith still was unwavering. So I don't believe this third option was even on the table for these guys. You know, the one where they went in the fire but didn't get burned up. I don't even think it was in the realm of the possibility for them guys. In their mind, they wouldn't go in at all or they would go in and perish. Yet here they are in the fire. Let me tell you, he's the same God in the fire. Here they are in the fire, but not being consumed. And let me be completely honest with you. I don't think those three Hebrew children ever saw the fourth man in the fire. I believe they were just walking by faith. I believe they went into the flames trusting God. And now God was working a miracle of deliverance for them. Even when they could not see him, their faith was not dependent on what they saw with their eyes. In fact, I believe they were praising God in the fire. Oh, and I want to tell you, he may not have delivered them from the fire, but I'm telling you, he delivered them in the fire. And some of you today, God may not have delivered you from the fire, but I've come with a prophetic word that he's going to deliver you in the fire. Oh, if you believe that, you ought to clap your hands to the Lord. As I, as I look around, as I look around at 2022, I'm convinced as a child of God, we got a lot in common with the Hebrew boys today. Here we are living in unprecedented times. A culture that demands we bow to the ungodly agendas that have been set up before us. A society that demands acceptance to things that are in complete contrast to the Word of God. And like those three Hebrew boys, I believe sometimes we might wonder, where is God in all of this? Even in your own personal life, some of you may be asking the question, where is God in all of this? I can't see Him. But I've come to declare to somebody today that even when you can't see Him, He's working. That's a word right there for somebody in this house. Even when you can't see God, he's still working on your behalf. Pastor Staten, when we can't see him, he's working. And I've got wonderful news for you. When you can't see God, he can still see you. And today he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. Come hell or high water.
Listen, listen to listen to me today. No matter what is going on in your life, keep walking by faith. No matter what hell you're going through, keep trusting God. Keep believing the Lord. Keep worshiping God because He is with you, even in the midst of your fiery furnace, even when you can't see Him. with somebody just shout even when I can't see him. In fact, I learned, if I've learned anything about the Hebrew children and from this story, it may be hard right now to see him. And you may be looking around and feeling like you're alone and you're abandoned in your situation. But let me encourage you today to keep your head up and keep trusting in the knowledge that he has never abandoned you. And rest assured that you're not in this thing alone and you're not in this trial by yourself. Even when you can't see him, he's working a miracle of deliverance in your life. Oh, if you believe it, you ought to clap your hands to the glory of God. Oh, I wish somebody would praise him right now. I wish somebody right now when you don't know the answer, right now when you don't know the outcome, right now when you don't know how it's going to turn out, keep praising God. Even when I can't see him, he's still in the midst of the fire and he's working. It was the king who called them forth from the fire in response to what he saw there. God put himself on display through their lives. I just believe that we are where we are because God has a greater purpose. I believe he wants to put himself on display in your life even when you can't see him. If you will keep trusting him. The fact is that sometimes God is going to put us in the fire so that someone else can see him there in the fire with us. You might not see him, but there's somebody else that's going to look and say, ah, there's somebody with him. Because you can't carry that load by yourself. There's no way you could carry, carry that burden. I, I, can't tell you, I can't tell you the times in my life. And I, I, grew up in, I grew up in a very faith-building apostolic church. And I believe that's the kind of church we got to have where we see miracles, signs, and wonders. Anybody still believe God can do miraculous things? <laughs> you woke up too late to tell me God can't heal cancer. I'm going to tell you, God can still heal cancer. Where, where's that sister at, brother, brother Staten? That you, God, God can heal cancer by the authority of the Word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus. How many knows God can still heal cancer? That's it, sis. Lay your hands on her right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Come on, speak faith right now.
There's a new song we've been singing, and I don't know all the words, but it says, don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen cancers disappear. I've seen lame get up and walk. Amen. I've seen blinded eyes opened up. I've seen marriages put back together. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I'm almost finished, but when, we, when I was a little boy, and, and, and Sister Jessica probably don't remember because she's, she's about the age of my daughter, to be quite frank. Her, her, her dad and my mom are brother and sisters. I'm more her dad's age. My grandmother was still having children when my mother was having children. And my mother's one of the oldest Bounds girls. Or she's one of the oldest Bounds kids. She's the oldest Bounds daughter. And uh, mom was, matter of fact, my brother is, is older than her dad. And he has to call his younger, uh, the uncle. It's kind of weird. But it is West Virginia, you know. <laughs> she may not remember this, but I remember when, I remember when our when our great grandmother, it would be in me and Jessica's great grandmother. Her name was Sister Kinder. And Sister Kinder was probably my great grandmother. Our great grandmother was probably about ninety pounds soaking wet. Little lady. And when I was a little boy, she was, she was pretty broke down even then. You know, she was an older lady, my great-grandmother. And she, she came in. She would come in. They would have to help her in the church. And they would bring her around the side, and she would come up about the third row back on this side. I, I remember it vividly in that old building up between, up between the mountains of West Virginia. My brother over here was picking on me a little bit before church and said, said, we got a hew out of place to play softball. Or I told him, I said, yeah, you'll fall out of your garden where we live. It's pretty, pretty steep. But in the middle of that mountains, that little tiny valley, I saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And, and our little great-grandmother great would come in there. and she, she, it, it took everything to just get her in or she had to be helped. But, boy, the power of God would get to moving. And something would get a hold of her. And she would come out of there dancing. Come running across the front. We think, my God, she couldn't hardly walk in here just a couple minutes ago. But the power of God get a hold of her. I've, I've, seen, I've seen the power of God transform lives. You, you've come way too late to tell me that your problem's too hard for God. My dad, my dad was... Uh, preaching one night and there was a lady that he had won the family to the Lord and uh, the, the elderly lady, the mother she was bound to a wheelchair been in that wheelchair for years I mean years, hadn't come out of that wheelchair and her name ironically was Sister Walker they wheeled Sister Walker in and she said we had two aisles and she said about halfway back on the, on the right there in the aisle Man, the power of God got to falling, and I looked back there. I was just a little boy, and I was blown away because Sister Walker got up out of that wheelchair, and she started coming down the aisle like this. She hadn't walked in years. You know, that woman went to her grave, never going back to a wheelchair because there's miracle-working power. Yeah. 
I'm just going to preach for just a couple more minutes here. But all of you, all of you know, all of you probably have heard of, of, of my cousin, our cousin Aaron, Aaron Bounds. He's one of the names in Pentecost. If you hadn't heard of Aaron Bounds, you, you, you hadn't been opening up your eyes. But, but listen, he was born with crooked feet. They were twisted. And the doctors, he's about seven years younger than me, Aaron is. And when he was just a little boy in our church, the doctors had told his parents, said, you know what? Said he's got to have correctional braces his entire life. You bring him back every year, we'll tighten him. And when he gets to be an adult, his feet will still be in braces. Now, we can help get him straightened out a little bit. But it happened on a Wednesday night. How many of these things can still happen on a midweek? Well, Pastor, I can't come Wednesday night. I, you know, Wednesday nights I've been working all week. Listen, there's good things that happen on Wednesday night. On midweek, God still moves on midweek. And I remember they pulled the podium back. My dad said, bring him down here. And it wasn't that they was trying to make a spectacle. Dad was just operating in the spirit. And they set him, a little boy, with his feet facing a congregation. And my dad started praying a prayer of faith. And before everybody in that room's eyes, his feet straightened up. And he never had to wear correctional braces. Don't you tell me God can't do it. Don't you tell me God is not a healer. Somebody ought to shout, he can. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's 2022 and the world's gone crazy. He can. Doesn't matter who's in, who's in the White House. He can. Come on, it doesn't matter what's going on in our society. He can. And today you need to understand that even when you can't see God, he can still work on your behalf. Let's all stand. Now, right now, you may not have the answer. Right now, you may not have the outcome. Right now, you may not know the ruling. I just feel like I'm speaking to somebody here. I, I don't know situations in this church, but I just feel like somebody's walked in here needing an answer, not just one or two. There's three or four or five that really need a direction in your life. And right now, you can't see but you're still here. You got your hands raised up today because you understand that even in the midst of the fire, God's still working. Now listen, it's easy. It's easy to get excited and praise God after. After the Lord's brought you through. Am I right? I mean, you get that raise on the job, you're probably the first one clapping your hands next Sunday. Right? You get a good doctor's report, you're probably the first one on your feet. Woohoo! Your family member comes back to God, you're the first one to shout and pray. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what we ought to do. But I wonder if there's somebody here today that'll move out of your seat and say, right now, when I can't even see the outcome, I'm still gonna give God glory and praise in the midst. Even when I can't see it, God, here's my praise. Even when I can't see you working, I'm still going to lift my voice. I'm still not going to bend. I'm still not going to bow. I'm still not going to, amen, give in to the things of this world. I wonder if there's somebody who will step out into this aisle and down to this front with your problem. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. 
to get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.